Tuesday, June 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Income Investor James Early, for Million Dollar Portfolio Charlie Travers, and for Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Maker. It's a packed house, guys. Packed. Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Uh, we've got news on Oracle, JCPenney, Kimberly Clark. We're going to start with Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft introduced its new tablet, the Surface. Uh, among the key features, Charlie, it's got front and rear-facing cameras, a cover that flips down to become a full keyboard, and a built-in kickstand, which I think we all think is just pretty Reminds cool. me of my Huffy back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> With a keyboard. Right. Um, and one of the things we were talking about, Joe, yesterday th- that people should be looking for in terms of you know the build-up to the announcement was, you know what's the price tag going to be? Charlie, we're, we're not getting specific numbers. No. Microsoft said that it will be priced comparably to other tablets on the market. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think this is a sign, uh, more than anything else, that the culture of Microsoft has changed. They've really learned from Apple, uh, and they are paying excruciating attention to detail uh, of the device itself, which is a new thing for them outside of the Xbox. They haven't really done this in computing, and the consumer experience with the hardware and software package. And what they did yesterday was throw down the gauntlet uh, and setting the standard for what a Windows tablet will be. And all of us have experience with Dell and HP, you know, compact back-in-the-day machines, you know, the old beige box PCs uh, that Apple really put a nail in the coffin, and that kind of stuff really doesn't cut it anymore. And what Microsoft did yesterday is is really set a high bar with their traditional hardware partners as to what a window tablet will be. Uh, the Surface is going to be the default advice, uh, device, and if Acer, a- uh, Asus, Dell, whoever wants to make a Windows tablet, this is what they are competing with, and they got to beat. James? Well, I'm just wondering if it's going to be a bigger Zune or, or if it's got, <laughs> got more than it. It does sound like it's pretty cool, but the thing is Apple has set the bar so high with a cool factor that that that. Microsoft really has to top it. And, and the rumors that I've seen is it could be priced even higher than the iPad, which I think would just, just kill it. I just, I don't know, I, I think it's just a tough game. I, I, I don't see it being that easy to break into this market. And yet, Joe, shares of Microsoft up about 3% this morning. It seems like the market reaction to this announcement is a favorable one. Oh, I'm happy to see that because Microsoft's an IV rack, but I'm a little surprised by the size of the reaction. I think this really just does boil down to price. If they try and price at the iPad level, it's not going to get much uptake except for the corporate market, where admittedly Microsoft's really strong and they have great relationships. But you know, by and large, no one's going to rush out and buy a comparable price new Microsoft offering when you buy the established awesome offering cool from Apple. One, yeah. And this is supposed to be about Microsoft Office. You can have full functionality Office on your pad, whereas uh, you know with the iPad, you have a whole bunch of apps that you wouldn't have on the, on the Windows device. But when you think about the nature of an iPad or a Surface or that type of thing, it's more of an app thing than it is uh, a Microsoft Office product suite thing. You know, I, I just I think it's going to be harder to use the Office system in, in this with this device. Charlie? I think it's going to be a home run in the enterprise uh, because of the IT heads Mm -hmm. wanting to stick with Microsoft because that's what their systems are on already. Uh, These tablets are going to be for content creation versus consumption like an iPad, which is great for the Internet, Facebook, and Netflix. Uh, But this Microsoft device, it's uh, very interesting. They showcased the full Adobe Lightroom in the demo yesterday, which is not something you could do on an iPad. This is uh, people wanting to get in and do real work versus watching Hulu or Netflix. That's a good point. More clever than I thought. How big? Well, I can't watch 
Hulu on my iPad. I'm sorry, I don't have one. No. <laughs> How big a hit do they need this to be? Because we've talked about Microsoft's uh, recent challenges, to put it charitably, in the mobile phone mm-hmm. space, and certainly with uh, you know the hit that Nokia has t- taken recently, and Microsoft being tied to Nokia. Uh, I mean, it's it, it seems like, Joe, to go back to the market reaction, it seems like it's a favorable one, but it almost seems like there's greater pressure on this thing to be a hit now than there was maybe six or 12 months ago. Yeah, I think it's pretty important, and it may not seem like much because right now they have these great existing cash cows with PCs and with Office, but you know, Apple is encroaching on the corporate market, which you know Charlie mentioned. They're really strong on the enterprise side, but Apple keeps working their way in because they're basically bubbling up through consumers. So people like me are just showing up at work, you know, with iPhones, iPads, I'm like, hey, I need to get this connected to the network, and they're actually kind of creeping in on Microsoft's turf, and that's pretty dangerous. And I think, especially early on in the days of an operating system, you know, it's not winner take all necessarily, but the mm-hmm. winner does take you know the lion's share of value. And if Microsoft doesn't get in there and establish itself as a major major player soon, it's not going to be able to do it later. Yeah, it's already an $80 billion tablet market, I think, something like that. Yeah. This could have been a brilliant idea two years ago, but now it's it's more questionable in my it, mind. It was, just for a different company. Yeah. <laughs> well, in fairness, I saw an awesome photo today of Bill Gates holding uh, Microsoft Windows Tablet Edition 2002. Oh. And they were super ahead of the curve on tablets. It's just that they didn't do it in the right package. Um, the Surface is going to run uh, on microchips designed by ARM. It seems, Charlie, like ARM Holdings is is one of the you know the beneficiaries of this device. Uh, when you look out at the competitive landscape, and I know we've talked about a lot of companies, are there particular companies that you think um, are either also in the beneficiary category or you know are sort of in the loser category. It seems to me like, and I'm a shareholder of both Microsoft and Amazon, it seems like Amazon dodged a little bit of a bullet here because the debate 24 hours ago was, well, is this thing going to be more like the iPad or more like the Kindle Fire? And they're clearly going... You know, they're going on the premium. high end. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Amazon's a beneficiary because they've got the low end entirely to themselves and they're yeah. completely happy to play yeah. there. Uh, I think the other losers are the PC manufacturers. They are clearly playing catch up to this uh, Surface device right now and they don't have a good track record of making aesthetically attractive devices. Uh, just to wrap up on the stock, Joe, uh, shares, as I mentioned, up today, trading near a 52 week high. Still looking like a value? <laughs> I'm decidedly lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Charlie? I think it's dirt cheap. I mean, if you take this stock, uh, they earn 270 right now. If they can get that to 3 bucks and get some multiple expansion, you could get pretty su- substantial appreciation from here. I would have never thought this could have been worth more than $45, $50. I would have thought that was crazy. Uh, but this could be a game changer. It's a kind of catalyst that will get investors to put a growth multiple on a stock that's trading at 10 times earnings. James, you look dubious. I have not valued the stock. I just like the dividend. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Shares of Oracle up 2% this morning after the company reported better-than-expected earnings late Monday. CEO Larry Ellison said the company won three big cloud computing deals against its competitor, Workday. Uh, Joe, uh, somewhat curious timing. uh, Oracle was on track to report earnings on Thursday what gives? Why, why did they jump the gun? Well, you know, Steve Jobs was best friends with Oracle CEO Larry Ellison, and I'm not saying that had anything to do with the <laughs> timing of this, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily a total accident that they happened to announce this a couple hours before Microsoft's results. 
Uh, there were great results, and hats off to Oracle yet again. Uh, they continue to execute. They're pouring out cash, and they're returning a lot of it to shareholders. Uh, one thing I will say, I don't know if anyone has listened to an Oracle conference call, but you have never seen so much back padding on a conference call <laughs> as an Oracle. They talk their books so much, and all they do, you know, their their profits are huge, but their ego is just as big. And honestly, to <laughs> me, that's a big red flag with these guys. I like the confidence and the bravado to a point. But at some point, it's just obnoxious, and it makes you wonder if they're you know, ultimately missing something with hubris. That's a really great point, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I agree. He's just looking to hop on the back padding <laughs> yeah. bandwagon. Um, but to- <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> Joe Maker. We are pretty <laughs> awesome, Charlie. <laughs> a little slow on the uptake. I, I, I never listen to conference calls. I mean, is it really that bad? Because, I, I mean, I would think that on average, the average conference call, assuming the results are good, that's just going to be the norm. The people are going to be just talking about. I kind of want to listen now. Yeah, they're interesting. At least once a quarterly call, Larry Ellison goes on like a two-minute rant, just crapping all over rivals' <laughs> offerings and talking about how much better Oracle is. Um, when you look at their competition, they're competing with IBM, uh, Salesforce, Microsoft. They're, you know, they, they're everyone. Lo- there are a lot of people cutting point. for Oracle. What is what is the case for an investor? Um, plunking down, you know, money for shares of Oracle as opposed to an IBM or or a Salesforce because it sounds like that the charm of the executive team is not necessarily one of the reasons. No, well, they're a very successful executive team. I'll give them that, but they certainly know it and they'll tell you about it. I think ultimately you're banking on the existing customer base staying loyal and being sticky, and that Oracle will be able to transition to a, a cloud-based world, which ultimately involves lower margins for them. But it seems like they're you know, making that transition okay, but that's why the stock hasn't done all that well, even though it rakes in tons of cash. It's very Microsoft-esque in that sense. It's a similar story. So potentially a value opportunity? or Yeah, I think so. Dividend stock, too. <laughs> as long as it's a dividend stock. Yeah. Satan that's all in- I care. I don't need anything else. I was going to say, Satan Incorporated could, you know, yeah. could do God knows what. But, the, you know, you as, long as, got dividend. as long as it's like, oh, but look at the yield. Uh, shares of JCPenney down 10% this morning on the news that Michael Francis, the president of JCPenney, is leaving the company. And, Joe, the company didn't give a reason for Francis leaving, and it's worth pointing out, he's been on the job for about eight months. Yeah. So what is going on here? Well, their last quarter at JCPenney was the worst quarter of any company I've seen since the financial crisis. It was a total train wreck. Uh, you know, they started this new approach to marketing and pricing at stores, and it totally turned off customers. They're in a really tight spot right now, and I can understand why the guy either got canned or he walked away. I don't think I'd want to stay in that situation either, but they're definitely in a rock and a hard place right now where they've made this dramatic change in terms of pricing and communicating with their core customer base. But now it's like, well, do we just stick with this plan? Do we double down on it? Do we back away and go back to the old model? No, it's a tough decision because they brought in Ron Johnson from Apple to to make these big sweeping changes. Well, he's made them and they sure aren't working. So it's going to be a really you know, make or break quarter or two. James? It's a hideous decision. I and mean, the concept is obviously dead in the water. You know, they're bringing some guy, big hope, you know, for him, but obviously it's, it's not working too well. What makes fashion cool is that there, there is also uncool. Just like, as, you know, dark defines light, the uncool has to define the cool. And JCPenney is just uncool in the eyes of, of many people. It still has certainly a, a batch of loyal customers and brand recognition, but it's a tough thing. Do you let it die? Do you try to drastically change it and, and, and take a big risk? I don't know. 
Well, yeah, and, and we're talking about a company that's 110 years old, Charlie, and uh, you know, to to the point that that uh, James made. Yeah, Ron Johnson, and I, I think we might have talked about it on Market Fuller. The, sure. d- the day that Ron Johnson was named CEO, coming, you know, guy who spent about eight years at Apple, he's going to be CEO of J.C. Penney. The stock went up, and uh, the company added about one point two billion to its market cap, and now that's all been given away. The stock's essentially mm-hmm. been cut in half over the last four months, and he even admitted that the pricing strategy was confusing to customers. So. What does he do now? Does he double down on that strategy? Does he like try and retool things? What this seems like he's a little bit at a crossroads here. The, yeah, they've they've been struggling for a while, and I think the expectations were set too high. It's like bringing in a high price free agent in sports. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it, as the saying goes, turnarounds don't always turn, especially in retail. It's notoriously competitive, uh, and they need to change. The, you know, I, I don't know what this change is here because I agree with James. I think this brand is old and stale, yeah. and I, I, in general, I think the mall concept itself is in big yeah. trouble. It's DOA. It's DOA. Yeah. Uh, Joe, the stock is now trading at a 21-month low. Is there value there, or is this the classic value trap? I think it's a value trap and has been all the way down. I, I think that mall retail has to be my least favorite sector or industry in all of the investing space. Like Charlie was saying, it's brutally competitive, barriers to entry are low. And, you know, you look at this case where they changed their pricing strategy. Well, what happened? All their customers just walked down the mall, you know, 500 feet. Walked to over other. to Macy's. Right. Walked over to Macy's. Walked over to Nordstrom. And there were just so many other options. And, you know, it's a really tough space to compete. They're not handling it well. I do think they need to, you know, stick to what they've laid out. But they obviously totally botched the pricing strategy and how to communicate that. So, no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> uh, and finally, Kimberly Clark makes Kleenex tissues and Huggy, uh, Huggies diapers, both of which, James, require trees. The company says that by 2025, it will cut in half the amount of wood fiber taken from forests for use in the company's products and as part of its sustainable uh, sustainability efforts. And I'm quoting here, the company will use or test alternative sources of fiber, such as bamboo and wheat straw. So I'm sure the little babies are going to love to feel the wheat <laughs> straw and bamboo against their backside. But... Um, uh, what do you think of this? This is a this is a stock you've recommended. I know you are a, a, a tree person. I, I am, Chris. I'm, excuse me, I'm bamboo the, hugger. I am in the American conifer society, so I have to embrace the fact that the conifers are typically harvested for pulp. So this means uh, more conifers are going to remain growing, which I like. The reduction, I think, is by 2025, right? Yes. Which is kind of a while. I don't know this is a game changer financially. I do like the idea that the bamboo is the world's fastest growing plant. It can grow 48 inches in a day. Which what? Which is pretty amazing. No. However, that, that you can harvest right. it after four years. But, but much of the bamboo that's used for pulp, like for, for clothing, not, not all of it, much of it is processed with this uh, process called hydrolysis alkalization, which uses these nasty chemicals. So it's not as eco-friendly as people think. Now, this might be something different. I, I don't know. But that'll be the question to ask if you're really an eco-type. As a member of the Save the Panda Society, I object to my animal's <laughs> food source being used to save your conifers. It grows back so quickly. Again, I'm not a member uh, of the American Conifer Society, but... Four, I believe that James is, though. He is, no, he absolutely yeah. is. But four feet in a day? Really? Bamboo? Four feet. That's what I've read. 48 inches in a day. Oh, well, if you read it, it yeah. must be true. Yeah. Um, uh, it is worth pointing out that shares of Kimberly-Clark are up today. The stock is trading at an all-time high. Um, uh, again, to go back to the 
the the wheat straw and the bamboo, I can't help but wonder if you know sales of Preparation H are going to be on the rise. It's weird. You know, they do the commercials for toilet paper. They're always blowing their nose. I mean, you want. Right. I, mean, I guess I know why they show yeah. that, but it's just it's always struck me as funny. Yeah. Um, James, uh, I know this is uh, a dividend stock that you like, and obviously, as a member of the American Conifer Society, you, I can't. I can only imagine how excited you were to see this news. I mean, the only way it would have been better is if they also announced a, a hike in their dividend. Um, and yet, the stock is trading at an all-time high. For someone looking at sort of the traditional consumer product uh, dividend stock, is is this something they should look at, or should they be looking more at like the Procter and Gamble? Yeah, Chris Johnson Kimberly Clark is a little bit rich by my model. P and G though is, is is a lot cheaper. So uh, P and G Unilever is closer to fairly priced, but Kimberly Kimberly Clark is a little bit rich at the moment. Charlie Joe, are you guys dues paying members of any other organization? I know it's not the American Conifer Society, but no. Uh, no, no, you're not. Nothing. No, no. we're heartless. I'm not saying you're heartless, but I mean, James. You know, James is a dues-paying member of the American Conifer Society, and you've written for them, right? Uh, you know very much, Chris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the website there? Is it just AmericanConifer.org? ConiferSociety.org, I think something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if we can spike their traffic. Check it out. <laughs> Joe Mager, Charlie Travers, James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. So my first thought when I heard they're going from, uh, you know, to cut the use in half was it's yeah. going from two-ply to one-ply. And I couldn't <laughs> stand for that. Uh, yeah, it was part of the Americans for soft toilet paper. I was yeah. one play, I mean, if you don't, you're hitting a breakthrough, you've got to use twice as much, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. otherwise you got to. It's misleading. Yeah. I'm going to get my comfort one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs>